The Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast would like to specifically thank our sponsor, Sony Pictures, featuring the movie Smurfs, The Lost Village. Be sure to check out the Christian study guide for this movie on the show notes for this episode or by going to the movie at affirmfilms.com. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Join your hosts as they dive into difficult topics that you might not find covered at your local homeschooling convention. Veteran homeschooling parents Andy and Kendra Fletcher use humor, honesty, and grace to discuss just what it looks like to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. Or as I like to say, I am undone. (laughs) And I'm often redone, so there we go. (laughs) Wow, that's kind of a funny intro. This is episode 145 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast, Undone, Redone. Marriage and the Gospel. Marriage and the Gospel. Man, have we got a show. It's such a killer show. Yeah. You're going to get a little of us on this end. Yeah, because this is one of those episodes we think you're going to want to come back and listen to. Yeah, and and so... Um, We are literally in my office in the middle of the week. I have patients out in the (laughs) patient chairs. I know. They're waiting for you. So, But we had to sneak this one in there because I'm leaving town first thing in the morning for the Apache conference, and that's just the way we roll. Yeah. Homeschooling in real life this week is real life. We are are sitting in my office. One of the little uh, Fletcher kids is here. We have patients outside the door. We snuck in this interview uh, with Trey and Melody. And then I'm going to run home and do math. Oh. with the fourth grader. So that's, there's, yeah. you go. There's the real life and the reality of homeschooling. Yeah. So like I was saying, we snuck in this interview with Trey and Melody Lovern uh, from the Undone Redone podcast. Yeah. And really quickly, how we got to them, they interviewed Kendra for her book. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lost right. and Found. And uh, she just fell in love with them as a well, couple. <laughs> and their story is so compelling and such a great picture of how God restores and redeems. So I just said, we've got to have them on. Yeah. And we don't talk marriage on this podcast often. I mean, we have over the years, um, and we just thought we'd have to get this couple on. So we did. It's a great, great interview and we're going to waste no time getting there. So that's right. Fluff's done. Fluff's over. Fluff's over. All right, Kendra, you're going to be gone at the Apache Homeschool Conference, so you right. know what that means? I'm going to have pots full of Caroline's coffee just to keep me awake to deal with Fletcher kids. You know, this I have weekend. I have an idea for you. What? Cuz I I you know, coffee and me, coffee has to be really 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 sweet, so I say get some good vanilla gelato. And then just pour coffee over it. Wow, that does sound good. Hey, if you would like to try some great coffee, go to carolinescoffee.com. Use our code H-I-R-L. You can get any type of coffee. And this is not uh, Sanka. Do they make Sanka anymore? This isn't U-Ban. I'm wondering how many of our listeners know what Sanka is. So I think we're a good coffee crowd, I'm thinking, our listeners. fresh roasted coffee from Grass Valley, California, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. I mean, I'm telling you people best coffee I've had. Go there, check it out. They don't make Sanka, they make the good stuff. You are entering the Pharisee-free zone. The Pharisee-free zone. 
Please leave all masks at the door. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Undone Redone, the podcast that talks the messiness of life. Addiction and infidelity. Grace and reconciliation. Marriage. We have with us on the line today, Trey and Melody Lovern, and we are so excited to have this couple with us because we have been asked over and over by listeners to broach the topic of marriage, and we just think that Trey and Melody have a story to tell that's going to really encourage our homeschooling in real life listeners. So welcome, Leverns. Thank you. We're excited to be here today. Yeah, thanks, guys. I will say, first time we've been on a homeschooling podcast, so this is a first for us. Right on. We are. We're glad that we're your first because, uh, you know, this is the podcast that are often people's <laughs> last people. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go on the homeschooling in real life podcast. Um, yeah, so we're gonna have some fun. Hey, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe a little bit about your ministry? Absolutely. Well, our ministry is called Undone Redone. And there is a story there. Uh, we haven't always um, really embraced the undoing of life. Uh, we spent a number of years trying to have it all together and did a fairly good job yeah. of uh, presenting that image. But um, we're down here in Alabama in the Deep South, and um, I started preaching in high school. Melody saying we met at a Baptist school here in Birmingham called Samford, and uh, we are going to save the world. And... Uh, we divorced after being married for 11 years, and then after being divorced for six years, we reconciled and remarried and had four children along the way before the divorce. And uh, so just a lot of things, obviously, in that, but learned along the way that the undoing that we fought so much to keep together and, and to keep under wraps, that that was actually God doing that undoing so that he could actually redo us. And so we've had a Tremendous grace awakening along the way, uh, understanding that um, it was never God's intent for us to, to look perfect, um, that his son had already handled the perfection part, and that we could accept that gift. And so that's a, a, a real quick overview of what we're about and what we do at Undone Redone. Wow. Okay, so we're done. That's awesome. That's uh, <laughs> that's homeschooling in real life in a, in a nutshell. That's fantastic because we, you know, you said some things along there, you know, having it all together um, and then recognizing that, <clears throat> you know, Christ uh, Christ has done this for us. I mean, these these are regular comments that uh, Kendra and I share on this podcast. So super excited to dig in. Um, do you maybe want to walk us maybe through the story um, so our listeners can kind of get a sense of who you are? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Trey said, we Trey and I both met in college. My dad was a minister, and Trey had started preaching as early as 15. And so when we met at Stanford, I was on a track to um, to do music. I loved to worship music, and I, I really wanted to teach music in schools. And, um, and I kind of always knew that I was going to marry a pastor as well. And so when we met, we had already been, you know, preaching and singing in churches and doing revivals and you know, like Trey said, we kind of, I don't know that we would have consciously said this, but subconsciously I think we thought, well, we're going to save the world, we'll eventually be on the mission field, and really this striving to be perfect, to be all things for all people. Having the answers, I, I thought that, you know, good choices plus the um, pursuit of godliness equaled this pristine, perfect life. And so that's kind of, you know, what was modeled for me, and that was kind of, you know, what I decided that that Trey and I were going to do when we got married. Um, we were in ministry, 
two years into marriage, we started a family. Um, we had four children within five and a half years, and life was kind of perfect as we knew it. We were both serving in the church, and, you know, like I said, trying to just, um, we didn't really know the word no. You know, everything that we did, we thought that, you know, godly and Christian people didn't say no, and we needed to be all things for all people. But what we realized looking back is we were wearing ourselves out. Um, just on this performance treadmill, trying so desperately to look the part, to be the part, so that God would say at the end of our lives, well, good, and done, my faithful servant. So you're cranking along with this, um, and you're just wearing yourself out. What came next? Well, what Melody didn't know when we got married, and what I had covered up, was I was exposed at eight years old to pornography. And so that was my secret, um, you know, the shame around that, that's really a big part of our ministry now and helping people identify shame. We didn't know what to call it, but there was, for me, this, this fundamental view that I'm not like everyone else. And so that's what really fueled my performance and um, just really uh, working uh, so diligently for, for the smile of the Father, if you will, because deep down... I didn't believe the gospel for myself. I only believed he loved me when I was when I was performing at a high level. Um, so two things. I was too cowardly to tell Melody about my struggle because I knew she loved who she thought I was. I was uh, too much of a coward to risk uh, finding out maybe she didn't love who I really was. And then uh, the other part is I thought marriage was going to fix my struggle. Mm-hmm. And so we married my junior year. I was 20 years old. And when marriage didn't fix it, um, the, the deeper shame is like that seemed to only confirm my core belief that I am unlike everybody else. I'm fundamentally flawed. Marriage didn't even fix this. Yeah, I am really messed up. And so I, um, that took my addiction. By this point, it was a full-blown addiction to a deeper level. And over the next 10 years, I had seven one-night stands. And um, Melody found out in 2000, and that was the undoing, the the detonation, if you will, where uh, we really had you know, just that moment of crisis and you know, belief and everything was blown apart, this clean and neat, perfect persona. It wasn't like a gradual thing. It was, a, for me, a perfect life and then moral leper overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just kind of that, that uh, abrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think for me, I, I, I just remember thinking, how in the world could this be happening to me? You know, when you're on this performance treadmill and perfectionism is the goal, then you think, you know, you think that you're, you would never say this, but you think you're better than everybody else. So I, my interpretation was this happens to women who don't take care of their man, and I pride myself in taking care of my man, you know. And so really when this happened, it was like I didn't have the tools to deal with this. You know, it's like, wait, what I believe to be true you know, performance plus the pursuit of godliness equals a perfect life. So what do I do? This has not turned out the way I wanted, you know, how I wanted it to. And so I just remember going into a counselor's office just completely distraught. Like, help me understand how this happened. Literally. <laughs> help me understand how I'm here right now. And um, and I just remember saying, like, did you do not realize that we have an enemy that's hunting us and that what's closest to the heart of the father is marriage and the sanctity of marriage. So he's going after that. And so it was really an opportunity for me to begin to, to look at, at God in this new paradigm, like, wait, you know, do you love me? 
how, how do you love me because this is happening? And just, again, because I found so much of my significance and identity in being a wife and being a mother and, you know, leading Bible studies and being all things to all people. And so it really began this journey of, you know, really God reorienting me to himself, you know, that I, that I do because because of what he's done, not that I do to make him smile. And, and one of the things I think for me, too, was recognizing that when I've got this pristine mask and this, you know, persona of perfection for everybody, that's the very thing that gets loved, not the true, true me who can say, I don't feel good about myself. Or, you know, my daughter comes home from school and she's been rejected, you know, having to preach the gospel to myself so that I then can walk her through that process. And so I think for me, it's God really began to show me that life is messy. And there are lots of things that I missed out in scriptures. I, I tend to, to run to all the, the beautiful stories in scripture. And what began, began to come alive to me were the Psalms, you know, and things like that. So, so man, you guys, this is something. This is, I feel like we're, we're talking to kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> well, part of it, Fletch, is I think uh, there's a lot of us in the homeschool community who can relate to just having to have this perfect persona. Yeah, and I think that, that you know, she, uh, Mel, you gave a, um, an equation there. Good choices plus godliness equals perfection. I mean, if that doesn't mm-hmm. define homeschooling for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. hey, if I make good choices and we, you know, godliness can also be defined as... Um, protectionism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we sure. won't expose our kids to anything. We are going to end up at the end with these perfect little cherubs that we then launch into the mm-hmm. world. Um, and what we find is that these perfect little cherubs sometimes don't look perfect. And the first thing mm-hmm. that attacks is our pride. Oh, I failed. Yeah. Um, or what are people yeah. going to think of me when my kid is making this stupid decision? You know, oh, you know, you're, you're a horrible parent. You did a horrible job. So, you know, it's, it's getting tied up in these equations. And then, you know, we, we stumble across an equation that says Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And it just becomes a whole new basis when we come back to the gospel and we realize, I mean, you said words like identity, you said words like, um, you know, putting our hope in something else. I mean, this is our language, people. We're so glad you're here with us, man. (laughs) It's fantastic. So um, this eventually, I mean, another thing was you realized that this wasn't a Trey problem. I mean, Trey was saying, I have this big issue, this big hidden issue. But we just heard Melody go through, oh, yeah, but I had my own issues over here. So things blow up and and you, it leads to divorce. Well, that's the end of Christianity marriages, right? That's You might as well just walk away from the church, right? Because uh, there's, no, there's no way to survive that, right, people? Right, right. <laughs> Well, and that's that's really what I thought, you know, and I landed, um, believe it or not, landed at probably the only church in Birmingham, the city where we live mm-hmm. at that time that was practicing church discipline. And it was a place of grace, but also a place of truth. And um, they're, they're loving me well through a very, very dark time created a, a tension that forced me to some deeper places with the Father. Um, in the in the pit of my shame, because now all that I feared was real. I lost my family. You know, now all those voices and what I felt were lies now seemed very, very true. 
but I began to to hear the gospel in a new way uh, during uh, during that time. And one of the first things I heard from the pulpit was my pastor say, "The purpose of the law is for us to see our need for grace." And and for me, grace had always been this concept that was about justification. Well, I was mm-hmm. eleven when I was justified, and it never had been a part of the transforming power of the Father in my life. It was always the saving part, but now God's done his part, and now I've got to do my part in the sanctification by making good choices. Sanctified uh, by sweat, good effort, yeah. <laughs> willpower. Yeah. And so that was a place where God began to meet me, and I began, um, you know, passages like Luke 15, the parable of the two sons, when I began to mm-hmm. see the Father's heart running toward the prodigal, and because I spent a lifetime covering up the secret prodigal in me, and now that was very public, and um, the shame of that. And, you know, one of the things I guess it summed up is, is my work after the divorce is our kids were still in, um, in children's choir mm-hmm. at the church where I was now an outcast. It was so bad that my former pastor had called my current pastor warning him that I was coming uh, to his church. Well, they were still performing at this church, and so I had to go back, and or I had a choice. I either don't go to support my children or go back and face all these people that didn't want anything to do with me. And so it was literally like the Red Sea parting when I would come back, um, and I would hear the, hear the whispers, and I would see the, you know, the looks over the shoulder. And, and so I'd be watching my children preaching the gospel to myself, God, and this is what I would say to myself, you know it all, and you love me. Mm-hmm. They know a little bit, and they have rejected and, and written me off. Mm-hmm. And that would maybe last for about 10 minutes, and then I would see another, you know, or hear another whisper, or I would see someone else, you know, look back over their shoulder, and, and then I'd have to remind myself again, Lord, you know it all, and you love me. They know a little bit, and they have written me off. And so that was, that began... Um, this idea, this understanding that it is true, uh, the gospel is true, that he loves me as as I am. And what really broke that log down for me was this understanding that God saved me at 11, knowing full well all the sin in my future. He knew I was going to have seven one-night stands. He knew all that was in my in my story, and he saved me. That, that it, ne- it had nothing to do with all the great, wonderful things that I was going to do for the kingdom. That's when the idea of sheer grace really began to take hold in my life. Well, you know, this these are words of life for our audience. These are words of life for Fletch and Kendra. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back uh, with Trey and Melody. Now, the Blue Crew is back. Let's go have some fun. In their first fully animated adventure. Nailed it. To escape a dangerous, undiscovered world, the Smurfs will have to team up with a whole new tribe. A village full of girls. Hey. Um, Smurfs, The Lost Village, rated PG, exclusively from Affirm Films. Get a free Bible-based discussion guide. Visit AffirmFilms.com to download it for free and enjoy great discussions with your whole family about the importance of purpose, friendship, honesty, and loyalty as seen in Smurfs, The Lost Village, now playing. All right, so we're back, and we're here with Trey and Melody Lovern, and we're so excited to continue this discussion. Now, before we went to break, uh, Trey was talking to us about um, kind of being in this place uh, during the divorce and, and even some of the shame and how he had to re-gospelize himself regularly. I love it because these are terms we use around this podcast, around the Fletcher house all the time. <laughs> so, Melody, um, 
you know, what was going on with you at this time? Yeah, I am. We're, we're, we both landed at different churches at this time, you know, when we divorced. And so, um, and our kids were at a classical uh, Christian school in the same church that Trey was going into, which was, you know, Reformed Presbyterian PCA church. And um, so it was real interesting, a lot of the things that I was getting to experience with the kids, just walking through their Bible studies and different things like that. But I, I will say this, and I, I don't know that I would have ever... Um, consciously said this, but kind of the way I view things when, when Trey and I first got married, it's like we were kind of on these pedestals for each other. And that was just, again, wearing ourselves out, trying to be perfect. I was trying to be perfect for him, but I was also trying to be perfect for every, everybody else. Well, when we divorced, you know, Trey, obviously, mentally, I kicked him off that pedestal. <laughs> I, I fell off the pedestal. He fell off the pedestal. <laughs> I think I had kind of walked up to my holy mountain, you know, so I'm looking way down, you know, at him. And again, I, I would have never communicated this to anybody, but I, I believe that that's probably where I was. And I'm beginning to, to understand a little bit about grace. Um, and for some, for the most part, Trey and I are not talking really on a personal level. It's really more about the kids and finances and things like that, trying to, you know, work well at co-parenting. Well, this particular, um, this particular week he was traveling and um, he was talking about the woman at the well. And he never, again, we never really talked on a personal level with each other, but he was just talking about the sermon that he had heard the week before. And I'm sure I'm rolling my eyes, you know, while I'm on the phone with him, because sometimes when he would get chatty, I would check out and kind of roll my eyes. Um, <laughs> and I just remember, I just remember saying, um, well, do I have to do what the woman at the well does to get grace? Because I, I could tell that he was, talking about grace and talking about the love of the Father in ways that I knew that God loved me, but I also wanted God to be so proud of me. And so I had this mentality of, gosh, do I have to do like the seven deadly sins to, um, you know, to experience grace? Did And so I'll, I'll quickly summarize this conversation. But basically, Trey said something like, well, Mel, how long do you think you can go without sinning? And remember, I'm still in this paradigm of I'm just working it, working it, working it, working it. And it was a rhetorical question, but the more pause there was, I realized she's about to give me an answer here. This is about to. <laughs> I was trying to be funny. <laughs> so, so she did. She gave me an so answer. So I did. So I thought, and I thought, and I thought, again, in a paradigm of trying to check off all the boxes. I had my quiet time. I've given my tithe. I've you know, done my Bible study. And I said, two weeks. And I said, you could go two weeks without sinning. I said, Melody, that would be amazing. And then at the end of that two weeks, you could tack on another two weeks, and you've got a whole month with no sin. And then after that, another month, then I'm just having fun with it at that point. So, again, I'm kind of, you know, I'm totally outing my heart at this point. But I just remember this long pause, and I just remember being absolutely exhausted at the thought of it. And I said... You know, I, I, I couldn't go a month without sinning because I'd be too tired. And that's really what <laughs> that's what really broke the log jam for me. And and I just picked up a book called Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. And there was this statement that that I had read as I as I was doing some reviews on this book and it was so Christianity doesn't give you what you want. It's more like an explosion that blows up everything you have to make room for something new. 
And so basically what God began to reveal in the, in the context of this book and in the context of that quote was I was this elder brother in the story of the prodigal who's like, but God, look what, look what I've done. Look, look what I've done. I've made all these good decisions and then look what's happened. And so it really began to be the shift for me where God began to show me, you know, we can either rebel by being very good or we can rebel by being very bad. And I was, and so some, he really began to show me some of my sin of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness and self-reliance because I really was just, I've got it. I've got it. If anybody hurts me or if anything happens, I've got it. You know, as long as I'm just, you know, pulling myself up, you know, by my bootstraps. And I just really re- remember beginning to grieve mm. places that I didn't believe in the gospel. And therefore, I, you know, was on this track. Well, and Melody says that story, and we were laughing, but I've got to be honest, before my outing, that was my my small center paradigm as well. You know, that, that really we could... Because when, when you boil down sin and you minimize sin, yeah. um, you know, in order to think that we can overcome it on our own, what we've come to realize, that doesn't require a Savior. Right. That if we could deal with sin in our own strength, Jesus didn't have to die. And and we get with our ministry, because, and we talk a lot about on our podcast, um, grace. And, you know, because we also deal with addiction, you know, sometimes the elder brothers will say, oh, how convenient you guys are a bunch of grace junkies because, you know, look at all that y'all have done. So obviously you need a lot of grace. But my, my response normally is, when I did not understand grace, I had a much smaller view of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really take sin seriously because I was I was really convinced convincing myself that I could deal with sin. I didn't I didn't see sin uh, as big as it really was the problem that it really was because it was mine to fix. And so when it, when you look at sin as it's something that I've got to overcome, then we have to have a coping mechanism that minimizes it so we can. We're not totally in despair. But now understanding grace and the freedom of realizing that we're big sinners in desperate need of a big Savior, but also that we don't have to fix uh, the problem, that we Mm -hmm. can admit that it is bigger than us and and just rely desperately on the Savior that we have. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you guys brought up uh, prodigal God along the way because that has been, I think we've talked about it often in the homeschooling community, we often find a lot of older brothers, mm-hmm. you know, that are just, you know, they, they haven't done anything wrong. They've been the ones. They've been consistent. They've held it together. Uh, so, man, that is, that is right where we are. So you, you both are now, you know, older brother, younger brother. You're brought through this. How do you go from there to sitting on a couch here in front of us, you know, married again? What, what's, what's that path? Well, it was a, it was a process, and... You know, being you know, ultimately we were divorced for six years before we did reconcile, mm-hmm. and and what we just described in a matter of minutes, it obviously was two steps forward, sometimes fifteen steps backwards at times, um, and it was really it was scary beginning to even uh, consider reconciliation because Melody's biggest fear was being hurt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest fear was hurting her again, and so with us not being in relationship neither of those fears could really be realized uh, if we're not in relationship. Sure. If we're just kind of a distant relationship. But as soon as we 
said, hey, we're going to be in relationship and explore dating again with the possibility of reconciliation, now immediately both of those fears are back, the potential for those fears to be realized are back on the table. Mm-hmm. And so it was terrifying uh, at times. Um, I would come over and help with the children's homework and put the kids down. And Melody and I would, maybe after putting the kids to get down, would have a decent conversation. And then I wouldn't hear for her from her for a couple of days. <laughs> um, and it became very predictable. And I realized that when we would connect, she would be scared and would retreat. And, and I think what was going on with her is what in the world am I doing? Why would I ever let my guard down, you know, and even yeah. consider this? Well, and I think the other part too was we were like two new people. And so, you know, as we really begin, you know, grace for me allowed me to be seen for who I really was and not this persona of what I tried to put on for everybody. And so I'm learning this new way of life of being able to now say, I don't have it all together, you know, that my stuff stinks like everybody else's does now. And I can, I can join in and, you know, I've been a teacher and I've been an aerobics instructor and, and a singer and all these things. And as long as I was the best at all those things, I felt really great about myself. But, you know, if somebody came into the gym with a better body or somebody sang better than me or, you know, was a better teacher, it threatened who I was. And so, again, the elder brother has to make it more of a negative spin instead of now I'm getting to go, wow, she's got an amazing voice. Or, wow, she really takes care of herself. Or, wow, she's an amazing teacher. And so... These, you know, just light bulb moments of instead of being threatened by everybody, now I can begin to celebrate and enjoy and empathize where people were. But I will share this one quick story that, um, you know, when Trey and I divorced, we never really shared the full story, you know, with what had happened because they were like six, four, two and six months old when everything kind of came out. And so when we're starting to date, I remember him coming over one day because we you know, I thought, oh, Trey's going to be 80 years old before he ever shares, you know, what truly happened with our kids. And I had just, I had really been convicted that it wasn't my story to share. You know, that we had said that dad had broken a covenant with mom and dad, mommy and God, but that was really all we shared. And this particular Saturday, he came over and he sat down on the sofa and he gathered the kids. And like I said, our kids were in Christian school, but he said, He said, hey, guys, um, we, we started talking about the commandments. And he said, hey, guys, do you all know what committing adultery is? And I think, you know, one of our kids said, you know, to the best of their ability, they said, is that when a mommy or a daddy likes another mommy or daddy? And, and, um, and Trey said, yeah, that's, that's what that is. And he said, and I just want you all to know, daddy did that seven times. And it was almost like I could see God doing this, like I was on this, you know, surgical table. And God, like, filleted my heart open, and he's, like, doing heart surgery on it. Hmm. And it was like he just had to transform and just take a lot of that pain um, away from me and to watch our kids jump into the lap of their daddy and say, Dad, I forgive you, was the most beautiful thing and so it was this it was this moment that really defined what reconciliation was was and is still till t- today so that when our kids are fighting with each other or you know have a hiccup in a relationship that's what we can say you serve a god of reconciliation and and it's messy sometimes and it's 
you know, not beautiful, you know, it's not always a, a beautiful day at the beach, it's a mountain climb, but it is, it's the God that we serve. And that's, that's really what, what this process has been for us. Yeah, and demonstrating to your kids everything from this is what confession looks like, this is what repentance looks like, this is what God's grace looks like in a real way, not like, hey, yeah, I remember when I was a teenager, 20 years ago, this thing happened. Yeah. This is happening right now. This is where I'm messy and broken right now. Uh, and we talk a yeah. lot about, you know, being, um, you know, in church a lot, we talk a lot about being uh, the chief uh, repenters. And it's stuff you're yeah. dealing with now. Because it's so easy to talk about what you, you know, the guilt and shame you had 10 years ago. It's like, but that's not the current yeah. stuff. So that is great. Your kids have tools that they can hold on to that are like, you know, now I know how to confess to mom and dad. Or, now, you know, it's safe. You know, no one splits, yeah. no one takes off. And, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that we see so much um, around parents who feel like they have to keep everything all together for their kids is that there isn't a freedom to be broken. And there isn't a reason to point our kids to Jesus. Because I know when we lived this sort of like, you know, we have it all together persona, Fletch, I, I rarely pointed our kids to Jesus because I could fulfill all their needs <laughs> as this perfect You're parent. You're such a lousy savior, though. <laughs> I am a lousy savior. <laughs> but here you can, you can lay it out and say, look how broken, look how mommy needs Jesus, look how daddy needs Jesus. And suddenly our kids have feet to faith and they can say, Oh, I'm a sinner too, but look how beautiful and perfect our Savior is, yeah. and we can point each other to Him. We're also horrible Holy Spirits. Yeah, you know? we are. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> you know trying to to get this out of our kids, it's so nice just to to model what it looks like. All right, so let's mm-hmm. uh, let's. How can we help our listeners? I mean, this has been just a tremendous story, and there's so much to grab onto, and I'm. I'm sure we've skipped over chunks and, and leaped over things, but... Well, and I'm really hoping that this is one of those episodes that people come back and listen to because you're right, Fletch. There's so much in here that they have shared from um, our own brokenness to the, needing, the need to perform as Christians, that we've been raised sort of in this Christian culture that teaches us that, that if we can perform to this level, somehow God will be more pleased with us than he already is, you know, to, to finding out that, hey, we really are sinners <laughs> and we really do need a savior, even after we've accepted his gospel yeah. back in our youth or whenever that was. So I, I'm really hoping this is one that people return to. And, and yes, I would love to hear, what do you tell people? What is that next thing? How, how can we help people who are listening to this story and, and finding themselves in it? Yeah, I would I would say, uh, Fletch, you kind of alluded to it. Is we we often in Christian circles we hear a lot about the imperative commands yeah. uh, of Scripture, uh, what the law demands, and and so many sermons you know are all about that. There's the standard, but I think what we miss often, and certainly what I missed, is the how. Mm-hmm. You know, the and and that is the the gospel, and and so I, I think as a takeaway. What I would encourage, because there may be some that are listening to this and and they're like, yes, I'm a current sinner, but how do I how do I how am I authentic? Because then people are going to know that I, I don't have it all together, and that was, that was certainly my struggle because I was a present tense sinner in a past tense sin culture. Everybody who talked about sin, it was always way in the past tense, mm-hmm. and that's what drove my shame because I knew what I'd done the night before, you know, not 15 years before. And so uh, just because for so many, I know of your listeners, 
you know, let's take it back to scripture and let's start looking, let's look at the apostle Paul. You know, I used to have a paradigm and we've described it. Another way to say that is the more you walk with Jesus, the less and less you sin. And I think that's a very real paradigm for a lot of, a lot of people who've been in the church and been in faith for a while. Well, the apostle Paul, it was just the opposite. I mean, soon after he was converted, uh, he referred to himself as the least of the apostles. Midway through his ministry, he referred to himself as the least of God's people, the Jews. At the twilight of his ministry, he referred to himself as the chief of sinners. Mm -hmm. And so at least in Paul's example, the more he walked with Jesus, the more he saw his desperate need for a Savior and how big he saw his sin. Mm -hmm. and, and I think to have a culture where we are because the gospel is true, we are free to take off our mask mm -hmm. and to connect authentically with other believers who are also broken at places of weakness instead of spending so much energy trying to um, impress with our strengths. Because then, and only then, I think we can really begin to understand what Paul talked about when he talked about boasting in weakness. That was never modeled for me, that his power is actually made perfect in weakness. And, and that was a part of the gospel that in the tradition that we grew up in and what we described uh, in this interview, it was all about performance. And frankly, the gr grace was never amazing because it was all, it was the Trey and Melody show, you know, <laughs> Trey and Melody looked pretty amazing, but there was nothing amazing about grace because it was all about our good choices mm -hmm. and nobody could relate to us because of the pristine mask. But what's, what's been so refreshing about our ministry now as we lead with weakness and we lead with vulnerability is the, the magnet that that becomes to so many who are drawn to that vulnerability that now can relate to our story um, rather than leaving, maybe feeling more shame themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think to wrap all that up in a practical thing is just to say, you know, what is the culture where I'm living? Am I in a culture that is all about, the rules and the regulations and, and looking great and perfect on the outside, or am I in a culture that really celebrates the gospel and allows me the freedom to connect authentically with others at a place of weakness? Now, um, Melody, I'm just going to ask you this. If, if we have a couple that's listening and they say, all right, we're going to try authenticity, you alluded to it. Um, things are going to blow up. Right. Initially, I mean, when you decide yeah. to be authentic, um, we've used terms yeah. like messy. But I think you said a bomb. Is it Tim Keller said the bomb goes off? I don't know. The explosion. Yeah. Um, so explosion. We, should, yeah. we should just be prepared for it as married couples. When we decide to get real and pull down mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the facade, be prepared to get mm -hmm. messy. Any encouragement for wives who yeah. may be married to a messy husband? Yeah, not only. I mean, you may be married to a messy husband, but you also may be married to a husband who continues to come through for you when God wants to come through for you. And so, you know, you may be on either one of those equations. And I think, you know, for me, Trey was kind of both, you know, he was coming through for me instead of really me running to the father for the rescue that I needed, but also recognizing that God didn't really create your husband to come through for you, um, you know, if you're dealing with a messy husband. And so really what Trey and I our philosophy kind of now in this home is, is how can we out repent each, each other instead of how to outperform one another. Awesome. And I have to kind of do that honestly, as a recovering Pharisee um, and an elder brother, I have to, before my feet hit the floor in the morning, it's like, 
okay, reminding myself, okay, Jesus died for me and God loves me, therefore I do, instead of I'm an orphan, I've got to pull myself up by the bootstrap. So it's kind of, I've got to do that check right before my feet hit the floor. I'm a beloved daughter, God loves me, and therefore I'm going to do today and and enjoy being who, who, who I am as the beloved instead of I've got to jump on this treadmill and make everybody happy, including God today. So I, I guess just encouraging that woman out there to embrace the mess because she's going to be seen and loved and heard and all those things that she's really longing for instead of this exterior that only gets loved if I don't let people in. All right. So just when I thought <laughs> there was no, nothing more to mine from this episode, you come in with that one at the end, Melody. That is so rich and so good for so many of us who are the older sister, <laughs> the older brother, the one that says, no, I, I, can, I really can handle this all. And, um, and I am that perfect wife, homeschooling mom, parent, you know, whatever, Christian woman. Um, so thank you. Thank you guys so much for being with us yeah. and taking the time uh, to discuss this topic. We would love to have you back sometime. Um, but before we let you go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Absolutely. Um, our ministry is Undone Redone. Uh, that's UndoneRedone.com. And all of our jumping off points, we've got three main initiatives there, but it's all there at Undone Redone. And also our podcast, which can be found on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, all the places that podcasts can be found, also called Undone Redone. All right. We are going to send everybody to you uh, from our listeners. Uh, we're Super excited to do that. Thank you so much for being on the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Our pleasure. Yeah, our pleasure. And next time we need to bring Fletch back on with Kendra. That's right. On Undone Redone. Yes. Sounds fun. Killer interview, Kendra. I want to hang out with this couple. I want to go to Birmingham and hang out with them. (laughs) Okay, now you saying that, though, is exactly what we talked about in this interview because when we are transparent, when we show all the warts, we attract people to ourselves don't we that's right yeah. and that's why i want to hang out with them because you know what i feel like they're like us like they're willing to just fillet open yeah and the question a lot of people ask is well i need to build history with someone before i'm willing to fillet." yeah i guess so if you're if you're that but a lot of times people use that as an excuse and a pushback with mm-hmm. people they've known for a long time yeah. i mean we have friends that um go back 20 years and when i'm with them this is us this is the real me this is what i'm struggling with today and i think like melody said it's gonna blow up yeah it blows up and it gets super messy Mm -hmm. like oh you got that going on right i don't know how to deal with that so wow good stuff hey um we're gonna have their all their information in our show notes so people can find them Um, but if you want to reach out to us this is how you reach us you go to homeschoolingirl.com you can get all of our social media spots from there. But if you want to catch Kendra specifically, you can reach her where, Kenj? Well, you can find me at my website, which is KendraFletcher.com. And right now, with Lost and Found having launched and that book out, there's a lot of good, fun stuff over there for you. So head over to KendraFletcher.com. Yeah, if you want to catch me, TheMangoTimes.com. It's my own website, my own blog, and a, a failing podcast but uh i I like to have fun over there it's my place to have fun creatively on the web and then you can catch me anywhere on social media at the mango times hey one more thing before we go Uh, on behalf of the ultimate homeschool radio network and the homeschooling in real life podcast we want to specifically thank our sponsor for this episode sony pictures um, who are featuring the new movie 
Smurfs The Lost Village. You need to make sure and check out the Christian study guide for this movie. It's on our show notes for this episode. Uh, You can head on over to the film's website as well. It's affirmfilms.com, and you can download it there as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We will talk to you next week. This is Trey Melody Lovern, host of the Undone Redone podcast. You've been listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Everything on this show is written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. You can find out more about the show at homeschoolingirl.com or by searching for them wherever you download your podcast.